You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right, welcome to the Drawing Board Podcast. This is the founder and host, Andre Ebron. We are excited about tonight. Listen, today is the first day in December. I hope that you all have your quarter four plans in full effect. I hope that you all are doing uh, what I consider one of the major things, which is managing your self-care, your mind, your will, your emotions. All right. Uh, We got some feedback. Okay. All right. We know technology is not always perfect, but it is perfect when it is perfect. And when it's not, hey, listen, it's all good. So as I was saying, um, today is that day. And today we're going to do something that's totally unique. We've never done it before, but a gentleman I know by the name of Chris Tabron, better known as Kalika Tabron, he launched a song that I feel is phenomenal and right in line with what we're talking about tonight. And so tonight we are talking about black men and mental health. And his song is entitled We. We are the ones that will make this world a better place. And if the world is going to get better, It'll be because we make it. So check it out. Let me know what you think. You can check it out everywhere that they are streaming. Go ahead. Check it out on Spotify. Check it out on Apple. Shout out to Kalika Tabor. We are proud of you, man. Listen, and continue to shine, King. I've known him since he was a young man. It sounded like we had a lot of feedback, but we still have a lot of feedback. Feedback. 
just a second, gentlemen. Whoa. All right. So feedback. Is that better? Are we are we good? All right, cool. Sorry about that. Everybody, we had a lot of feedback, uh, but now we are in business. So today we get a chance to welcome uh, to the show. Uh, if you don't know these gentlemen, you're not doing enough work. No, I'm joking. But listen, uh, but I do want to say uh, that these young men, these young kings are doing amazing work across Metro Detroit and beyond um, from everything from New York Fashion Week to uh, Mental Health Days to Mental Matters Podcast to Detroit Father to Detroit Social Circle to if you I, I call him the grand influencer. Listen, this brother just I see him knocking down deals with uh, Uber and UPS. I'm just trying to get on. Can, can I next time? Can you just put me in the shop? Uh, listen, uh, we are having conversations around black men and mental health. And so I want to bring to the show, uh, I call them now my brothers. We have been doing work. Uh, I don't know if you see, I'm trying to make the reel on uh, Marv's page for the haircuts, but I don't know if I'll ever make that page. I don't know. Uh, but I want to welcome to the show, uh, Brother Ken Walker, Brother DK Williams, Brother Marvin Pete, Brother Jarrell Mitchell. And uh, to this brother, I, I feel a little chilly, you know. Uh, I feel something coming uh, on December 4th, uh, you know, to one of the ice cold brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, my brother, Richard Winfrey. Welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the show, brothers. Uh, thanks so much, man, for having us. Yeah, and I just want to say, I know that you will not uh, like this, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I'd like to thank personally DK. Uh, this was his brainchild uh, putting together especially joining forces with King Kings, uh, Brother Marvin Pete, Brother DK. Uh, last year, it was freezing outside, but we were sharp. I'm talking about sugar sharp. Uh, we were out there taking pictures down at the Detroit Riverfront and then uh, joining forces with Kings. Also put together um, a march uh, for entrepreneurs down there, supporting Mature Look downtown. So, I mean, it was just an amazing time. Uh, so I'll ask Brother Ken, uh, Ken Walker, man, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thanks for having me. So uh, my name is Ken Walker, I'm based here right in Detroit. I'm a fashion designer, uh, marketing strategist, and a mental wealth activist right here in the city of Detroit. Oh, man, that's great. Listen, I, I was noticing uh, the blue shirt with the K on it, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, you know, I, it took me back to... Um, uh, my coming to America days, I wanted to reach out and say, what is that, Velvet? You know, um, but but I definitely... Or Valor. Okay, I need one of those in my life. So, Brother Ken, we'll, we'll connect after this uh, so that I can definitely get one of those. I so, Brother DK, tell me about yourself, man. Tell me tell me about what brings you uh, to the platform, what you're doing as it relates to mental health uh, and just who you are. Yeah, so uh, thanks again, uh, Andre, for putting us together and having us tonight. I'm DK Williams, as you said, founder um, and owner of Detroit Father LLC. Also, um, working in the city with Marv on JFK. And uh, for me, man, it's just all about bringing black men together and having authentic conversations and really trying to figure out how 
and we can do more together. Like my vision. Discipline is 75 All right, it sounds like you had some accompaniment there, but you were saying trying to bring black men together and Brother DK? Yes, sir. You, you were saying that your central objective is bringing black men together to... Uh, just bringing black men together, basically, for us to, to really... Uh, I don't know if it's me. I'm getting feedback. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we hear you. Okay. Just saying, you know, really, for me, it's just all about bringing black men together. Um, and so you talk about a bit of it, having a brainchild of talking about mental health in the black community. Um, that just right in line with the mission of JFK and what me and Marva try to do um, with marches, photo shoots, really just to change the narrative of what it means to be a black man in today's society. Oh, man, thank you for sharing. And if somebody's listening to uh, or watching the scene in their background, uh, it'll feed through the actual uh, live and give us some feedback. So if you could, all you have to do is just turn the volume down on that and we'll be good to go. Brother Marvin Pete, man, sweet with the blades, got us together here. Um, listen, man, can I can I can I at least make the January? You're, you're good on the page, man. <laughs> I gotta make the I gotta make the January. You know, no, I'm joking. But tell tell us a little bit about yourself, Marv. Yes, yeah, so my name is Marvin. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, co-founder with uh, with my brother DK on JFK D, uh, Detroit. And the main purpose, I believe, with me. Like really appreciating the, the fact that you allowed me to be a part of this is actually going through mental health as a black man and understanding like the importance of understanding that you need to really take take care of your health and it's a big issue in the black community and actually going through it and being able to let people that can see and that are going through it, just let them know that you're not in it alone. Sorry, my mouth like real dry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So absolutely right, Marv. You are not in it alone. Uh, that brings us to our two brothers who are uh, the, the founders and the co-hosts of Mental Matters Podcast, Jarrell Mitchell and Richard Winfrey. Jarrell, tell me a little bit about yourself, brother. Okay, so um, I'm one half of the Mental Matters podcast. Um, one of the things that got me in this space was that, you know, growing up, we're in school, you know, we have different curriculums, we have uh, different things that we take on a different semester, you know, there's a catalog to tell you what you're supposed to take to graduate from college, graduate from high school, but as I got older, you know, there was no textbook to, you know, tell me how to deal with my emotions, how to be a man, how to be a husband, how to be a provider, those type of things. So um, initially, um, the podcast started as just me, you know, throwing a, a loop out there just to get some communication going as far as saying, hey, why don't we try to get, you know, men together in our community of all ages and just fellowship and just talk about how do we grow? How do we become better husbands? How do we become better men? And then from there, you know, Richard, we had communication back and forth. So then it just spun into the podcast. So that's kind of the how our podcast came together. Um, but for me, you know, I'm just enjoying the ride right now, um, being able to just use the podcast platform to uh, essentially help me grow, but also to give that communication and that information to others as well. Man, thank you for sharing it. And of course, Brother Richard, tell me, man, tell me a little bit about yourself and what brings you to this space. Man, what brings you to this space is just like-minded good people, man. So um, first and foremost, I just got to 
glory to God about just being able to be here. Um, 2020 has been on, on one end has been challenging. Another end has been trash. Uh, final end of this whole thing is it's been an opportunity for self-reflection. Um, I'm here because like we usually don't do stuff like this. It's black man. We just take it for granted. We leave it to the influencers to post stuff on social media and all that stuff like that. But we really aren't having candid conversations about how we really feel and how we really doing. So I want to hopefully contribute to this space has kind of a kickstart to any black man out there. That's like, Hey, I never, I never thought to even talk about my stuff with like anybody like kind of as a starting point to improve your mental health. So um, as Jarrell said earlier, you know, it was a laugh, a joke on Facebook, Facebook status. And I was just like, yo, DM me right now. Like, let's get this popping. And uh, it was going to be a space like this where we're going to get a bunch of people, black men together from all different backgrounds and say, let's just talk. And we just said, how about we start as a podcast? And hopefully at some point we get to a platform like this. And so um, I think it's divine order. I'm very, very glad that we were able to start this conversation. This isn't the conversation of conversations. This is the start to a very important dialogue that we're having right now. So Ebron and to all my fellow good fellows on here, I mean, we did it to start. You know what I'm saying? I, I love this and I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of it. Absolutely. So I thank you all for sharing. And, and of course, that was the extreme abbreviated version of what uh, these these men, these kings are doing among the city and things that they have going on. So I encourage everybody listening to go to their separate pages and see what they have going on to support them. Um, Giving Tuesday is today. And so if you find it in your heart that you would like to further their mission or their goals based upon what it is you learn about, uh, them and they'll share their different social media handles and websites later on. But I encourage you all to give and to share. So here's it's a loaded conversation tonight, uh, especially when we talk about providing some structure and definition around what does it mean to be a black man? Uh, what does mental health actually mean? And so first, I'll throw the question out there to Ken. Ken, man, anybody feel free to jump in. I just want Ken to, to self-start this, uh, especially he had mental health day. So, man, break it down for me. What is mental health composed of? What does it look like? How do I know if I, I, I need to seek professional help? How do I just on a daily basis digest what I think, feel, and believe? Talk to me, man. What is the definition of, from your lens of mental health? So for me, uh, the way I define mental health is, uh, it's, it's your state, it's your, your, your state of mind, um, and the, the factors that, that are taken to maintain it. Um, and some of us are, we grow up with some things that, that's called trauma, but we don't identify it as trauma. Um, so for me, when I, uh, defined, uh, mental, mental wellness for myself, it was in 2017 where I was working a corporate job but also um, trying to launch off into this business that I wanted to create. Um, but it was, a, it was a lot of mental exhaustion is what a therapist told me. But before I even saw a therapist, I learned that I was just very anxious about everything and my mind would just race and I didn't feel um, like myself or as I was using my full potential. So for mental wellness, um, what I had advocated for was for myself and so many people that look like me 
to just be honest and, and to self-actualize the things that are going on in our minds, but also to talk about it because that was something that I didn't do. I didn't, I was bottling up. I was trying to figure it out on my own. Um, but I also had an issue with vulnerability and being able to open up about those things that was going on with me. So for me, that's what I wanted to start my advocacy in is for all black people. Um, but I learned that black women, they were doing it, but it was black men that really needed the help and the assistance. And they needed to see other black men like themselves actually taking the time to be vulnerable um, and owning them to their emotions. And it is hard, you know, cause we're not, we don't see, we don't, we don't see those examples growing up, but what I had saw, you know, in my therapy and when I was in therapy was, it was a, a boost of confidence, but also a, a better understanding of self. Um, so your mental well-being is, 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 is contributed to just, your whole being as a human being. I think we separate it from our overall health so much, but if your mind is not right, everything isn't right. Um, and we are our thoughts. We are what we think. We are the things that we tell ourselves every day. And that was something I had to learn is that I, I had a lot of negative thoughts in my head, but when I had an opportunity to spill it out and talk to someone about it, I started to put these pieces together. And she would sit there for hours, you know, on hours for months and months, but it was me putting those pieces together. And I think that's something that you learn as well is that you have the key within yourself, but you have to open up and get those things out of your mind. Now you just, you dropped several bombs um, and key words within there that I would love for DK, Marv, Drill, Richard to jump in and, and address. So when you're talking about black men and you mentioned words like vulnerability, communication, uh, self-awareness, uh, you said mental exhaustion, uh, you know, for us, a lot of times stress is just a part of life. It is uh, you're talking about trying to bridge the corporate world so that you can provide a life that you see for yourself, but also launching into the entrepreneurial space so that you can unearth the gifts that within you. Look, I think all of us have been trained and conditioned to have a job and initially a job and a hustle. Right. And so the hustle converts into uh, in being enterprising, being enterprising turns into entrepreneurship. And before you know it, you're stretched on both ends. Uh, and you said finding that balance through communicating about it. DK, talk to me, man. What is what is your definition about how black men engage uh, mental health and vulnerability and having and, and possessing the ability to communicate? Who tells us throughout our childhood that our voice actually matters? I know that that's something that you hold dear, DK, is lifting the voice and changing the narrative of black men. How do we empower more black men to productively use their voice? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's it. We lack examples. Um, so for me, kind of my, my, my hashtag and slogan that I use is fatherless to fatherhood to now father in the hood. And I think that what that really means is not necessarily having biological children that I'm responsible for in the community, but it's being an example, a black man doing things that other people can look at it and identify and say, man, I want to be like that, or I can do that. And, and what Ken says, self-actualize. They can see within themselves the potential that, man, you know, if he did it, I can do it as well. And so I think that we need more Black kings positively speaking and pouring into um, this kind of work and, and really being advocates for mental health. Because again, you can see a rapper, you can see these things on TV and in media, but they're not always portrayed with the positive uh, attributes of what it means to be a black man. Sometimes there's all these negative, you got to cuss, or you got to have thousands of women, you got to do something negative to get notoriety. And so for me, I wanted to flip that narrative on its head and say, no, I can be a business owner. I can be a black father. I can be a husband. 
um, and really support those positive narratives that really exist in our community, but are not always uplifted. So uh, that's all of what Detroit Father is. And I think the example that I try to live out is really be the change that you seek in the world. And if I'm the example, and if I'm uh, out there in the forefront really showing a different narrative, I think people start to see that and they catch on and they follow you and they gravitate towards you for that influence that, that you have. And so for me, that, that's what I try to live my life by. Um, and even in the midst of all that, there is still a lot of mental baggage. There's still a lot of hurt and trauma that I have to process and have to go through because growing up without a father, my biological father really having nothing to do with me, wanted no connection to me, that sense of rejection and abandonment from a young age, man, that still follows me to this day. And so anytime I sense that someone's rejecting me or doesn't want to be around me or they're you know, going to abandon me, all of those triggers and defenses start to come up. And then I just start to just remove myself from relationships and from people. And so I understand that those cycles continue. They don't go away. And if we don't deal with them, we just continue to live these same patterns over and over. And then when you look back in your life, you're like, this started when I was young and I never really dealt with it. It's just going to keep following me. So that's why for me, I'm a big proponent uh, of, you know, seeking a therapist. And I, I'll be honest, I just did this for real this year. Um, you know, and we'll talk, I'm sure more about that, but that's, that's just been my journey to where I am now that I have to be able to talk, sit down and talk these things out because they're not going to go anywhere just by themselves. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, being an example, a lot of times within, even in, within the realms of being an example comes with its own set uh, of stress. Um, because when you know others are watching you, um, I have found, especially brothers, I've seen so many people, um, you know, and I've conversed with so many brothers who, you know, they start out wanting to make a difference and wanting to make a difference turns in them becoming an example. Uh, them becoming an example in, in a lot of ways causes them to uh, put on a front because now they feel like they can't be their authentic self because other people are watching. And so I just want to demystify and break down. Uh, that thought that people don't need you to be perfect because they connect less to who you pretend to be and who you actually are. And so um, your authentic self that's growing and developing, uh, we're not here to condone just, you know, uh, poor behavior. <laughs> but what we are saying is that uh, when you make a conscious effort to grow and develop, that people connect to your broken parts, because what ends up happening is they identify with the fact that I'm broken in that area too. And then healing can begin to take place because conversations, uh, scripture says, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety, right? And so we'll talk about therapy. We'll talk about seeking you know, professional help and how there's no negativity in that. Uh, finding the proper professional help uh, because that, that is a relationship. We'll get more to that. Uh, but Marv, Talk to me, man, about uh, I literally felt a connection with you there about wanting to make a difference and becoming an example. Talk to me about that, man, and how you engage this mental health space. Yeah, so wanting to make a difference is uh, it came from me just understanding like where the mental health issue started at. And me personally, I believe it started honestly from not having that male figure in the uh, household or even not just not having a male figure, but. As you grow, grow in the environment we grow up in, we always were taught to believe that a man isn't supposed to show emotion. A 
Amanda's is supposed to show pain. He's supposed to just deal with it. And when you do that, it's bad because you're bottling all these emotions, all these different feelings inside. And you wake up one day, you can feel a certain way. The next day you wake up fighting depression, you fighting to get out of the dark spot. And I believe it starts just knowing where it comes from. And with me actually going through it or going down that road and being able to have like, like minded brothers like you, DK, Ken, uh, mental health, matters all that stuff you actually see and understand that going through it you can make a difference so making a difference with the younger community the younger kids and that's why um partnering up with dk with jfk was was so important to me because i wanted to reach out to the community because i actually been through it yeah you have a testimony right is that you can connect to what people are experiencing because you yourself have practical, working, experiential knowledge of it, right? So you're not talking to somebody from a vantage point of what you think they've been through or lived through. You're talking about the things that you personally have lived through. And still go through. And still go through. Yeah, that's and that's important. That's key, that when we are an example, that we have to let people know that we still are processing. As DK said, we're still going through things, and we're coming out on the other end of it. Uh, that's where I believe faith and hope comes in, right? Because without yeah, I believe it's important. Yeah, talk I mean, about it. Yeah, no, I believe it's important for people to to understand. Like, we come from the same community. I look like you. You look just like me. And I could step up and and be that male figure and take that step forward to let them know, like, okay, it's okay to 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 cry sometimes, or it's okay to talk about what's bothering. Yeah, Richard and Jarrell, what do you think about that, man? Can a good cry save you from a bad fight? Man, listen, it depends on who you're fighting with, man, to be honest with you. All right, um, talk to me about it. You know, a, a lot of times, first I'm going to start by saying that, and this was instilled in me um, as a person that once dealt with real-life depression, black men need therapy, period. Like, we can joke and play about it. We can, you know, in our social circles or not, we can be like, yo, whatever, you crazy. In all actuality, we have all been through some things. And we can probably write them down and be like, dang, I went through all that. And any and every black man, anybody in general, but I'm talking about our black men, that's all I can do right now. Um, we all need some level of therapy. Um, whether it's just be to talk about major trauma that went through our life into our lives. Maybe it may be an actual just sorting all the different things that you process on a daily basis. Um, keeping your work at work, keeping your, you know, anxiety in place, keeping all the things in its place. Um, one of the most accurate representations of this I've seen is like, it was like a meme with a bunch of different jumbled up balls of yarns and one big ball. And the therapist was there in the chair, you know, writing down. And it was like all these different color strings were being wound up and they're all individual balls. That's how I think of therapy. And that's why I strongly do believe that no matter who you are, what you, where you're from, whether you're from the inner city of the east side of Detroit, like me, um, whether you're from Southfield, whether you're from a random place in Texas, wherever you're from, everybody experiences some level of trauma, et cetera, and has things to process. And so 
maybe a good cry might help you fight that bout with depression for the time being. It's nothing wrong with getting that cry out. Um, maybe it's literally fighting your demons, whatever you've been through, the things you've done in your past. But without that therapy piece, I know for me, once I got it, it was just like, thank God I started when I did. So, um, but yes, to answer your question, Ebron, it is okay to cry. Don't be ashamed of that either. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that we have to break down that language, man, and, and tell, especially young brothers um, and, and, and older brothers that why do you want to hold those tear back, tears back? I remember one time, man, that, um, man, life had got so challenging for me that I remember wanting to cry, but my tear ducts wouldn't produce any tears. And it was like, wow. It was like I had become hardened to the point, you know, that life had gotten so challenging that even though I knew at this point, this is the point that I should be crying, but no tears would show up. And so, man, that came with, uh, that's a challenging place to be. Like, okay, this is something horrific that should be producing tears. And because it didn't, and I'm just being, you know, sharing with you all here, man, listen, when uh, my father-in-law passed, my son thought that by holding back his tears, that he was being more like me. And really my tears gave him permission to feel what he felt. Yeah, they call that emotional incarceration. Yeah. And so talk about that, man. Listen, because there are many people listening who uh, or they, they cry alone or they won't let any tears out. Like, talk about that, man. Emotional incarceration. What is that? Yeah. So I learned that from uh, Jason Wilson. If nobody knows, he's incredible in the community and is a beacon of hope just for so many black men. Um, but what I learned about that, you know, in my own journey was that um it started with not having examples that let me, there you go. There we go. Cry like a man. Um, but some of the, some of the things I learned was that if you don't have uh, men in your life telling you that it's okay to feel and to express those emotions openly, um, women are nurturers by nature, but men, we feel emotions just as women, but we, what we grow up in a society that doesn't honor men who are open about how they feel. Um, and especially as we grow up and we have all of these stresses of life and responsibilities, you know, things take a toll on us. And we don't realize that when you're bottling, bottling all those things up, it's, it's, it's detrimental to you really growing um, and even open to even committing in a relationship, having children that you can um, show love to. So it's really, for me, um, something where we have to let go of the thought that if I if I don't be honest about how I feel, then I'm less of a man. But you're more of a man if you can honor up to those emotions that you feel. Yeah, I concur. And listen, man, it it uh, produces a level of intimacy in your relationships uh, that end up nurturing and nourishing uh, that area uh, within you. What Ilyana Van Zandt said that every, I want to think is, I want to say that it's her. She said that every man who has not grown up with his father has a father-sized hole in his heart. And so, we have this need for belonging. We have this need to be nurtured. We have this need to 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 be uh, validated, and especially men, uh, our need for significance uh, or or importance. All of those things exist, and if we get it in our formative years, you know, of course, we become man. You know, uh, uh, Frederick Douglass said, "What it's easy to raise uh, with strong boys than to repair broken men." Um, and so this is this conversation is happening. 
among men so that our young men, our young kings don't have to grow up the same way that we did. So let's talk about it, bros. Like, do we have, and this is for anybody, do we talk about resilience in the same frame that we talk about trauma? Because I know that we have a lot of trauma to process and I've seen, you know, all, you know, CBT, uh, you know, cognitive based therapy. I've seen all the different uh, avenues with some of the work that I've done. Um, I, it's all these different uh, therapeutic approaches. But do we talk about resilience as much as we talk about trauma? Or should we? This is for anybody. I would definitely say growing up as as a a black man in in the inner city like Detroit, you definitely see and hear more about the trauma more than um, the comeback story or more than the um, resiliency that should be showcased. Um, I mean, going to public schools, you see, you know, your friends, they don't necessarily have um, the same. um, Well, growing up public schools in general, we don't have the same education process that other districts have. So that's that develops on us to where, you know, we can't think properly. We can't cope properly because we're you know not educated to deal with our emotions. Um, And then most of the time, um, just just growing up in inner city, you know, it does tend to have, you know, that that stigma of, you know, broken homes and things of that nature. So when, when I was growing up, me personally. Um, I saw things that I thought were normal. Then I grew up, turned 18, 19, and I got friends of different cultures and I see like, okay, that wasn't normal. Like I shouldn't have known that a drug house was, you know, a block over from where my grandmother stayed. Um, I shouldn't have known, or my friends shouldn't have been, you know, carrying like guns and things like that at the age of 13, 14 years old. So, um, it's like growing up as a black man in inner city, it's like the trauma is conditioned to you more so than it is more so that it's the normal um as you're growing up as a black man so um that's that's just what i think about it yeah jerrell you talk you bring up a, a great point of how we can normalize dysfunction or we can normalize our trauma so that we don't see it as trauma and then when we get exposed to something different it begins to make us aware of how that was not normal so like domestic violence every every black man that i know either have witnessed it personally, uh, has a has an aunt or a mother or some woman in his life that he knows that has succumbed to or been a victim of, not succumbed to, but been a victim of domestic violence. Uh, they themselves have experienced some type of physical, mental, or sexual abuse. Uh, the statistics are glaring about, I think, uh, when I was in college, in my sociology class, I think it was one in five. Now, I'm not going to date myself, but that was some time ago. So I know the statistics uh, in the work that I w- did with when I was a social worker for the state, uh, private agency, uh, head start, working within school systems. Um, I want to ask the, the brothers on the call, once you have either seen trauma or personally experienced it, like, is it easy for you to detect that same level of trauma in other people that you meet without a spoken word? Can you see that? Um, so I believe so just because uh, the process that I'm going through now is understanding that people that's dealing with mental health, dealing with issues like that can be smiling. They can seem like the happiest people in the world whole time. You never know that they're actually going through it. So I recently just made a post uh, encouraging everyone to just call, call a family member, call a loved one and genuinely ask them. Like, are you okay? And don't take yes or no as an answer. 
really sit there and wait for a response. And you would be surprised how many people you think are smiling, just happy. It's actually going through it. And once you ask them that question, they will break down. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, because just because someone carries it well doesn't mean that the pack is not heavy, right? Um, yeah, so that taught me that everyone, <clears throat> everyone you assume is happy aren't happy. So mental health is a big, big issue. Right. And I think when we talk about uh, in this conversation, Ken brought up another point. When we talk about mental health, um, we also can frame it from mental wellness. Right. So our mental wellness, what is our state of being? What is the current condition of our mind? How are we feeling? Right. So uh, to Ken, DK, Marv, Jarrell, Richard, here's a, here's another question that I have. Um, how do we uh begin to break down the walls of how we so compartmentalize things. Cause I know as black men, uh, we compartmentalize things, uh, things that we go through on the job versus things that we are experiencing in our home, things that we are leading in the community, things that we may be, um, you know, experiencing within our places of worship. I mean, how do we break down that compartmentalization so that we can create a flow in life? How do we break those walls down? So I personally believe we start by breaking the walls down by what we're doing now. Bringing awareness to mental health, uh, trying our best to put it out there to make it be known that it's okay to feel this certain type of way. It's okay to talk to your brother and it's okay to talk about it. So I believe we start is really just making sure everyone understands it's, it's okay to mention it. And it's okay to be going through mental health. Like it doesn't make you less of a man because you're feeling some type, some type of way, and you're fighting a dark, a dark place. Right. So I think we, we sadness exists for everybody, right? Life and chance happens to us all. Uh, I think it is the way that we process, cope, and adapt to what is happening that makes the difference on the outcome, right? So let's talk about coping. Uh, we know that some of the ways, and brothers, please feel free to jump in. Um, some of the ways that we cope uh, are not healthy, and some of the ways that uh, we as black men are coping. Uh, it does uh, sometimes fit the stereotype. So uh, the stereotype says that we're hypersexualized. And so for some of our our brothers out there, uh, when they feel stressed, what they do is they, you know, uh, begin their conquest and look for women to sleep with. Uh, some of the brothers uh, cope by, you know, substance abuse. So all of these inabilities to cope lead to uh, these maladaptive coping uh, strategies or, 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 or challenges. Talk about that, bros. What are some healthy ways to cope with stress? How do we begin to break down these compartmentalized walls? So uh, DK, talk to me. What are some healthy ways to cope? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of times, uh, just getting straight generic to the point, is you know I would just remove myself from the situation and walk, go out in nature, and really just try to figure out in this moment what's driving the stress. What you know, it's almost like that fight or flight, you know, defense mechanism. You're gonna do one of the two, and it's like for me, instead of putting up a fight, trying to handle it in that moment, whatever the stressor is, is just remove myself from it. And, and go, you know, get away from it. And then when I'm able to just like mentally deal with it, emotionally deal with it in, in the right way, I come back to it. Um, but I've, again, had to just learn this in the, in the last nine, 10 months of, 
you know, when stressors, whether it be financial, whether it be building a business, whatever it is in life, I figure out what is really driving me to the point that it is, is making me want to do something negative. One of, one of those things you just said, substance abuse or something I shouldn't be doing, just remove myself from the situation and, and just breathe. You know, breathing is a big thing for me and, and getting out in nature. Um, you know, me and Marv talk about a lot, you know, going downtown to the, the river walk, just taking a walk. It's a little colder now, but getting by water, getting in nature for me, that that's a big way and a healthy way. I think that you're able to cope and deal with um, one of those stressors. I brought a big yeah. coat. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I got to tell you, DK, on the record, sir, uh, these trips to Mexico and trips to the dunes and trips to, to uh, I forget the other place, uh, but I, where was my invite, brother? Where, where listen, I'm trying I, to I'm breathe. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to. COVID won't let us be great. COVID won't let us be great. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I just brought some levity there to say that um, you have to do what's in your wheelhouse and your ability. So if it is the Detroit Riverwalk, or if you are able to take some time off work and, and head to Mexico, or you're able, whatever you're able to do within the confines of your budget, uh, your ability, like do that. Um, and listen, for those of you all that, that are working, yeah, I had a little feedback there. Um, but to Ken, Jarrell, Richard, man, how do you post? How do you how do you take that much needed break? Um, for me, man, and I recently started doing this. So when I was younger. I would draw my butt off. Like, I would draw all types of Dragon Ball Z stuff. I would be like, what basketball cards I got? I would just try to draw all the athletes. I would try to draw, like, Penny Hardaway and all them. And I recently got back to that. Um, I didn't realize how much I missed it. Um, I have a, a a very stressful in nature job at times. And sometimes, especially working from home, and... um it, it carries over because I'm always at home. I'm always at work, per se, right? Um, so I literally had to separate my time between going outside to get some of that fresh air to just pulling out my sketch pad and literally um, drawing. Like, I during the NBA Finals, I drew LeBron James, uh, drew a picture of Big Sean, even shout out to the hometown homie. Um, but just finding activities both that are – healthy in nature it's sub it's the difference between your substance abuse versus your um whatever works best for you like it's okay to have that one responsible drink if that's what you works out for you right but there are some people that just need to find healthy ways to balance what's for you in moderation so like you're not gonna see me drawing for the next 10 days straight you know, neglecting everything because I ain't got that kind of vacation time. But just finding healthy balances and healthy escapes that help you be your best at peace self, if that makes sense. So um, just identifying whatever works best for you. I think that's probably the key thing. And then sticking to that, allowing your time to actually engage in that activity. Because a lot of times we don't take the necessary self me time, if you will. And that buildup over time hurts. You know what I'm saying? It really does kind of put a damper on your life. So just finding that separation in me time and then that activity that brings you the most joy, I think that's probably the most important, at least 
that's what I found the most helpful for myself. So, yeah. Now, Richard, I'm not going to ask you what's in your cup right now. I'm not going to ask you. Okay. <laughs> no, but <laughs> you sure? I mean, I'll no, tell you now. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, but I, I do want to say <laughs> now he's looking at the teeth. <laughs> Wait, there you go. Okay, Let I'm joking. not be confused <laughs> today. Right today, today. Uh, but I got a question for you, man, because you brought up an interesting point. Um, do you feel that, uh, like in in your current job, that your creative had to, had for a while been suppressed by your analytical? Because I know that um, within a lot of jobs that I see brothers have, it requires a lot of problem solving, and I mean creativity has its place in problem solving. So I'm not talking about uh, creatively finding solutions. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about more of the, you know, uh, create, um, visual arts, like, you know, being able to draw things of those natures. Do you feel like that your analytical portion, like suppress your creativity and now you find balance because you have been able to, uh, reactivate those creative energies? Um, I would say that, you need to make sure that you pick a workplace that in some form of fashion supports that. So when I say that, I literally mean like, and I'll, I'll speak to this for a moment of transparency. Um, in late 2016, I found myself at a crossroad, crossroad about my career. Um, I had a well-paying job. I was living in a whole different part of Michigan that wasn't Detroit. So that was already culture shock enough. And it got to the point where my job and the influences of, you know, this was 2016. So this is the the election. Nobody want to remember ever again. Um, so you had those influences all around where I literally lived at. Um, there was, you know, the pressure to be black in engineering. Um, that's a different experience. It's probably a whole different episode. <laughs> but just all those social pressures just to be you know, great enough. You probably heard it on Scandal. You got to be almost twice as good as the next man just to be average, if you will, for, uh, you know, working in a certain workplace. And it got to a certain point where I really couldn't take the pressure. I didn't have time to enjoy my me time, my self-care moments, things of that nature. And I had to make a decision. Was I going to continue that job? Or was I going to quit and find something that's going to bring me mental peace of mind at the end of the day? And as I had to pray about it, I literally cried about it. Um, I went through a whole imposter syndrome, if you will, but I quit that job because it wasn't serving me. It wasn't allowing me to have my best peace of mind. And you fast forward to later that year in 2017, um, I found a job that not only challenged me mentally in terms of, um, in a positive way for embracing my talents, things of that nature, that project management skill set but also allowing some sort of normalcy when it came to, hey, what are our employees doing outside of work? You know, let's highlight that in our company newsletters. Let's discuss that in, you know, or do you have a passion for community? Do you have a passion for, you know, young black people, you know, getting STEM degrees? Do you have a passion for, you know, what it is when it comes to your safety, when it comes to your mental health? having that outlet and that free thinking mind at work and my supervisors and managers and directors, even cultivating that experience. A lot of people don't find that in the workplace. Um, I think that I was, I think that was 
divine intervention, if you will, just to be able to be able to do what I do today is just taking that job, taking that pay cut, but ultimately finding that peace of mind. So um, make sure that when you all are, maybe you have the job of your dreams and it works, but maybe you're not. And don't be afraid to make that jump, whether it be to stay in your profession or hell, even find the creative arts if that's what your passion is. Right. So listen, believe it or not, you all, we are literally only 10 minutes away from the close of this conversation and we haven't even begun to crack the ice. But I do want to leave our listeners with some resources to take action uh, because we are aware that we are in a national health crisis, an international health crisis, a global pandemic. Um, We understand that a lot of uh, especially for black men. Uh, that our melanin has been weaponized in ways that it should not. Uh, we understand the stress and effects of trying to lead a family, even if it's a family of one, just yourself, amidst these different times and challenges. So I do want to um, uh, ask Ken, uh, go ahead, and then we're going to ask go each brother, give us your closing thought, and then also your social media handles and uh, some resources that people can take away uh, if they are feeling uh, burden, if they are feeling stressed, if they are, um, you know, feeling in any way, like they want to commit any type of level of self-harm uh, resources that they can immediately access so that they uh, can, t- can take, like we were saying, a better coping strategy uh, than to put themselves in harm's way. So, Brother Ken, uh, talk, man, your closing thought, um, your social media handles and uh, a resource. Yeah, so my my biggest thought on this is always just give yourself grace. Um, There's a lot of things that can get us frustrated, get us sad, get us mad, but you got to give yourself grace um, enough to understand that you're doing the best that you can every day. Uh, You're blessed with another day to make one step and one one step in the the right direction. So I always say just, you know, always look at yourself in a positive light. Uh, Remind yourself every day that you're trying um, always seek the help that you need, uh, rather that's confiding in somebody that you trust, um, or what I always vouch for. And I think everybody on here said is therapy, you know, and these days it is virtual now. So you can meet with somebody. Um, I meet with my therapist every Saturday. Um, I was lucky, lucky to really, to find a black man, you know, as a therapist, which was something I really wanted to find three years ago. And I eventually did. Um, but it helps me to stay accountable, um, in my, in my wellness goals. So, just find somebody, you know, that's in your corner um, that you can confide in um, and don't allow, you know, what you see around you to deter how you feel about yourself. But you are your thoughts. You are what you tell yourself every day um, and just make us make it make a step every day. You know, you'll get in the right direction. Um, so, you know, I say when you're looking for these resources, there's a ton of them out there. Um, finding a therapist is a lot easier you know, than it has ever been now, um, because now it's so easily accessible um, to find one. Now, a lot of them are. Um, some of them are even free. Uh, if you actually look online, um, some resources like BetterHelp, um, TalkSpace, um, or even just going on psychologytoday.com, you're able to actually find um, a therapist um, by your zip code, but also you're able to get um, a profile on any therapist that you want to reach out to. It'll tell you their rates, uh, what insurance they accept, uh, what mental conditions do they specialize in talking about, um, you name it. You know, So you can be very specific. Um, when you're finding a therapist, um, I'm big on black people seeing black therapists. That's a personal thing. Um, but definitely find someone that you think can help you open up and hold yourself accountable. Um, but you can find me on social media, um, on all platforms at the Ken Walker. 
And my website is theKenWalker.com. All right. So listen, from Ken, I'm going to need my velour shirt. All right. Extra large is the size. Okay. All right. And and my website for my brand is kwalker.co if you're trying to order some clothes. Okay. All right. Good deal. Good deal. DK, closing thought, social media handle. And uh, we are in that five minute window. So please share out. Yeah. So I'll make it brief. Uh, For me, I I would say as a father, as a husband, as a community, you know, leader, community activist, um, it's important to know as a just as a black man that strength still needs support. And so for me, it's always big uh, to connect with like minded brothers like all of you um, and to make sure that, again, I'm not the only man in the room trying to hold up and do one thing. I'm always trying to connect with other people because, again, we're stronger. together than we ever will be apart and separately. And I think uh, if our community would get back to that, that just coming together, being uh, in one room, trying to build in one room, instead of all of us in our different spaces, trying to build by ourselves, we can get more built. Um, And so for me, you can follow um, Detroit Father on all social media platforms. Also plug for JFK Detroit and the Detroit Social Circle. And uh, thank you, Ebron, for putting this together. Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you for... uh you know, being the catalyst to make this all kick off. Uh, Marv, Jarrell, Richard, you know, following suit, uh, I would ask because we are close to the end, just drop your, your social media handle. And then listen, if you're watching, they're going to drop their lasting thought in the comments below. They're going to put their closing thought in the comments below. You don't want to miss it. So Marv, give them your social media, brother. So you can add me on Instagram uh, at Marv1824. Uh, follow me on Instagram, JFK Detroit. And I do, can I say one thing real quick? I just want to challenge everybody to pick someone in your contacts, a few people, just call them, ask them, are they okay? Don't take yes or no as an answer. Generally ask them, are they okay? So. All right. So listen, next week, next week is my birthday week. I'm going to make, I'm getting ready to make the Marv's haircut. He's going to put me on social media. I'm going to be famous. Listen. Hey, we got some page, man. And DK, DK, I'm going to Mexico. Let's go. All right. Real. Richard, go ahead. Give them your social media handle, Mental Matters Podcast. Yep. You can find us on Facebook, Mental Matters Podcast Community, Instagram, Mental Matters Podcast. Um, just, you know, continue to follow us. We'll continue to deliver the good content. Richard, you got something to add? You know I do. <laughs> um, MentalMattersPod.com is the website. We got merch. We got content and we got y'all. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Um, you are definitely worthy at the end of the day. If you follow the podcast on social media, you'll see both of our Instagram handles on there as well. But just know you are worthy and you're worth it. So and don't let nobody tell you different because they a damn lie. That's all I got. All right. So listen, uh, DK is my witness. Marv is my witness. A year ago, these brothers told me I was coming on the show. I, I I need to come on Mental Matters podcast. I don't know what happened. We gotta I'm make that listen. Listen, I'm putting it out there right now. I need to Got be you, on. Man. All right. So this is how I close out every single uh, show. The Drawing Board Nation. It is our mission to create. Listen, create an experience that will transform the world. That is our mission. And on this podcast, I close by always letting you guys know. And everything we talked about tonight is framed from making sure you also develop a healthy relationship with God, making sure that you cultivate that time in prayer, making sure you're getting in your word. And I let you know this, your future is not behind you. 
It is not before you. It is within you. And I'm Andre Ebron, the host and the founder of the Drawing Board Podcast. To young, to the kings on here, I love you, brothers. To all of the kings watching, if nobody told you today, we love you, brothers. All right? Peace.